When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I hope to answer the question today of what happens when you've got to rewrite something, a book, a manuscript, your life. The Old Testament is a collection of books. We often refer to the Bible as a as one book. You know, I I um I saw someone had a Bible in their house, and I said, "Oh, there's a Bible in the house." Um, and we talk about the Bible that way. There was a Bible in that hotel room, Gideon's Bible, or there's a Bible over there. Can you bring me a Bible? And um, that's that's a way we talk about a bound copy of the Bible or the Holy Scriptures. Uh, and yet the Bible is a collection of books. And the Old Testament uh, books span a period of history from the dawn of creation, however you date that. Um, an Anglican bishop named Bishop Usher uh, dated the creation of the world to 4004 B.C., nine o'clock in the morning, I think on September 26. Um, and it, it kind of works out that way if you count back the genealogies in Genesis and other places, just in the years that they are given there, you'll come up with that number for the creation of the world. But um, many of us would say that the stories in the Bible contain a much older thread of tradition and oral tradition and stories that are passed down and legends and some of these legends appear in the uh, writings of the Epic of Gilgamesh and other places. But um, so we're talking a really long span of history in the Bible, going all the way back to the creation of the world. Um, and even before that, you have something in Genesis in the first couple verses that seems to point to an even older creation that has become formless and void or uh chaotic in some way. So, and then there's God. God exists outside of time, beyond time, before time, maybe in time. Uh, lots of uh, ways we've thought about time as Christians and other thinkers throughout human history, all trying to grasp this entity that we call God and what God was like before our stories of how humans came to be. So we're talking about a really long span of history that goes all the way up to about 586 BC. or And then it goes maybe a little bit further than that uh, into the Persian era, the Medo-Persian kingdom in Daniel. So we're into the, you know, 5th century BC, somewhere in there. But we're really about 400 to 500 years before the birth of Jesus in the Old Testament. So it's a really big span of history that we have collected in all these books that we call the Bible or the Old Testament. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, is a parallel account to the history that we were reading in 2 Kings. Uh, Jeremiah is a prophet who lives at the very end of the kingdom of Judah. He lives at the end of history, uh, the way many would have seen it at the end of the, the destruction of the temple, destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. And we have this account of Jeremiah's perspective on these world events. 
that is very different, not different in chronology or different in you know what happened on the ground, but different in the way the events were seen by this very sensitive prophet, a prophet who suffered from uh, melancholy, however you interpret that as being sadness, grief, depression. Uh, Rembrandt's painting of Jeremiah is probably the most famous. He's there uh, with his elbow propped up on a big Bible, um, just despairing as Jerusalem burns behind him. And he lived through all this and he suffered the effects of this loss of this city, Jerusalem, the city of Zion. And here we have Jeremiah writing in this scroll and you have his, his uh, scribe Baruch there as well being part of this. And the king destroys the scroll, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is a short-lived king of Judah, but he's there long enough to get in trouble. Um, and so this destruction of the scroll, and God says to Jeremiah, write it again, write it again. Um, we see the frustration in Jeremiah's life, what he endured, that not only did the kingdom of Judah and the king of Judah and all the people that lived there ignore Jeremiah and say, he's a fool. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But even God seems to have um, ignored Jeremiah many times. Um, And you can see that throughout the book as Jeremiah pours out his complaint and plea before God. And then God says, write it again. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to write something again in your life. You've had to sort of something went away. This is in the early days of word processors Uh, I had a professor in college who lost her dissertation that she was working on and um, lost it, like lost, lost it in the word processor somehow in the 90s. This is ancient history, I know, for many of you. But it was gone. And um, I remember hearing that she had a nervous breakdown. I didn't really know what that meant at age 18, like what it meant. Um, but now I know what it meant um, when you've lost something like that that you've been working on and it's gone, like it's just gone. And Jeremiah is feeling that. And and that's true with like things that we write or things that we create, but also just things in our life that have to be rewritten, that we have to start over with. But we can be sure that the same God who inspired that first book to be re- to be written is going to inspire the second one. The same God that, that inspired that first scroll that was written, that the king tore up, uh, is the same God that is giving the new words to Baruch and Jeremiah. That uh, in the second writing of this, um, there is a, a new grace given by God. And many of us are writing the second part of our lives, um, or maybe even further editions um, are coming out. And we're asking God, you know, are you going to what are you going to write in this part? What is going to be this? What's going to be part of this part of the story? Um, one of the symptoms of post-traumatic st- stress disorder is a foreshortened future, um, the inability to see good things happening ahead. the The only ability we can see is a cutoff, a death, a despair, uh, a cloud of gloom hanging over everything, and. We ask God, are you going to write a better story in this part? What is the story you're going to write? Is it going to, am I going to be okay in this edition of the scroll? And the promise of God 
is that God will be with us in this part of the story, just like God was with us in the last part of the story. Um, God will be with us in this way, and that our lives will be meaningful, and that cloud of doom and gloom is not from God. That is not a cloud that God has put in our life. That is a cloud that our life experiences have put there, the devil has put there, um, those who have set themselves against us, whatever you, whatever you, wherever you put that cloud's creation at, God was not doing that. God is creating a future for us, a bright future, a future that is full of challenges and even discouragements and setbacks and all sorts of other things, but a future that ultimately leads to God, a future that ultimately leads to the glorification of us, that we will someday be part of God in a way that we have never been before. And that union will displace all disunions. That union with God will displace all estrangements and separations that we've experienced in this life. And we will be one with God. And that is the future that God is writing for Jeremiah. That is the future that God is writing for us. And that is the future that God writes for the church. Through Jesus Christ, he carries us through all the storms of life, all the kingdoms that fall, all the kings that destroy our scroll, all these things God carries us through. And in the end, we say with Jeremiah that there will be a new covenant, a covenant written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, on the human heart. And you are here today because God has written the covenant in your heart. You know this is true in your heart. You know that he is leading us into this future, a future that is full of all the changes and chances of life, but a future that is in union with God. Amen. Almighty God, you've given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen.